Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. Back in the saddle here, another big show coming up for you tonight. Mr. Justin Bourne of Sportsnet will be joining us. Really excited about that. Looking forward to talking to him. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. Christian how are you? I'm doing very well, Sean. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I mean, it's it's kind of weird since there hasn't been a, a game in the in the Islanders Lightning series since Saturday. We're still waiting on Game Five, which is coming <laughs> up. Uh, it's it's a little strange, but yeah, I'm I'm trying to just pretend that last night didn't happen. But I guess I just have to accept that reality. Yes, I think you do. Yeah, game so six is tomorrow, and you're going to be very confused why yeah, they're down three two. Yeah, yeah. I guess game five did happen. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that it did. But we're here. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all the other games in the series because we haven't done a done a show here since uh, our game one previewed R.J. Daniels. That's right. So, folks, now that we're here, I want to remind you all that we are happy to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great people, and great service. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. We're also happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voice over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And we are also happy to be sponsored by Manscaped, the men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for everywhere you want to get rid of hair. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with promo code HockeyNightNY at Manscaped.com. So... Christian, like I was saying, we hadn't even dropped the puck on this series the last time we did the show, and a lot has gone on since then. It is now three games to two. Thanks to the absolute massacre that occurred last night in Tampa Bay, let's not dance around the fact it was a total murder. There was blood on the ice, (laughs) and uh, the Islanders now find themselves in a do-or-die situation. they got to win two in a row to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So with that, what do you say... CA. Absolutely. Probably one of the worst playoff performances we've seen out of the New York Islanders. I mean, maybe ever know, since the 90s, since 94, mm. probably, because mm, that was, yeah, that was, was embarrassingly bad. bad. The Islanders yeah. were outperformed, outplayed. They looked listless. It was listless. not their game. It was not their, the way that the Islanders have played all, all postseason. And it was not the way the New York Islanders need to, to play going into that game. And, and <laughs> no. honestly, it was a, a wasted opportunity after the momentum. You would have assumed they picked up after the Ryan Pulak save in the final seconds of game four at the Coliseum. You get a big win there. You tie the series, go back to Tampa with the chance to uh, take a series lead and come back to the Coliseum on Wednesday to win it, and they just dropped the ball. 
as they as they had done in the previous two series, right? I mean, the script was kind of following a, a very similar fat yes. in, in a very similar fashion. If you look back at the, you know, they end up, you know, squeaking out a game five, maybe two games that they shouldn't have won, but they did, and then they were able to take that home and close yes. it out in game six. So. A lot of a lot of different elements to this series, even for Tampa Bay, because this is the first series that went two to two for them. They had won their two previous series, I believe, uh, or at least they went up three one in their two previous series. So they had their first two two draw with the Islanders, and now the Islanders face themselves a new situation this year where they're down three to two. They were last year; they couldn't tie it up, and and they're hoping to flip the script again this time around. But the difference between last season and this one is they're not in a bubble. They get to go to the Coliseum tomorrow night. And hopefully that's something that helps propel them to to win a third game six in a row just to force a game seven for a chance to play back in Tampa. Absolutely. And, and it needs to be an effort that is, I mean, I, I think the Islanders said it best or, or, you know, they can't play any worse than they did on Monday. <laughs> no. So no. you can only kind of go up from there. So that is a positive when you're trying to find things to be, uh, you know, excited about for Wednesday evening at the Nassau Coliseum is that, you know, they can't play worse than they did on Monday. No. I mean, that first period was, uh, you know, uh, abysmal. Uh, you know, I think they had eight or nine uh, rush, rush, rush opportunities against. Mm-hmm. They were out, out attempted. They were out shot. They were out everything. Out chanced. You know, it was, it was, it was bad. It was, it was as far away from their game and their style of play as we've seen them in a long time. Yeah. And I think that's just what's so, shocking about it and I think you know Islander fans have probably gone through a range of emotions since witnessing that (laughs) last night just the just the shock and awe of of the game unfolding that way I mean the 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 first goal 45 seconds in was almost par for the course we've seen that a lot these playoffs and it's not new and yeah it's not to the point where I was sitting there watching the game and I was like okay I was like this is fine because this has happened before and they bounced back from it the problem was is that it snowballed into the just monstrosity that it became throughout the rest of the game they never recovered they never settled the game down and they weren't able to you know kind of battle out a a tight game which I think we all expected and you know I'd love to know just what happened to this team that that led them to have such an awful awful effort against the the lightning uh, in game five and look sometimes nights just don't go your way but I mean it just went so far beyond with look, you had the the goal going off of Adam, um, uh, Andy Green's glove. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a little bit of bad luck. And and I was saying to you before the show, the Stamkos goal to open the game was almost a mirror image of Barzell's goal in Game Four, where the you know there was a rebound. It just right. landed right. right next to the net. He was wide open. He just put it in, and it was like, oh man. So and then it just you know again snowballed from there, and you know you, you wonder where these guys' heads are at, and and you know especially a Barry Trotz coach team to. To not be ready for a pivotal pivotal game five like that, um, it's it's just really surprising. And you don't have the the explainer or the excuse that they had in game for game one last year in the playoffs, where they had the the short layoff, they had to fly from Toronto to Edmonton, they got their doors blown off in game one against Tampa, and they even at least they had two goals in that game. This one they couldn't even muster a goal, and you just wonder what happened, but. I mean, like you were saying before, if you're looking for any positives or silver lining, you know, whether they put up eight goals or 20, it only counts as one game. So as long as they're able to have short memories on this one, like they have in, in, in some playoff series past, they can show up tomorrow and they can still give them a good game and, and, and try to force a game seven. Well, again, I think if, you, if you're trying to be positive and look on 
the bright side, the Islanders have shown that they can do that. This is a team that, even in their worst efforts, they've managed to come back and give some of their best and, and find ways to win. And this will put that mentality and that, that storyline to the test tomorrow because this is the ultimate version of that of that task, right? Because they played their worst game of hockey, uh, period. Uh, in a very, I, I think, arguably under Barry Trotz, if not further back into into history, yeah. This is this is now a test of all right, that belief in the system, their belief in their game, their belief in each other, and how quickly they can turn the page. We've talked about it all playoffs about how the Islanders have been able to turn the page after a bad game or turn the page after um, you know maybe a rough period or two. This is going to be the, the the ultimate test because their this their season's on the line. Their time at the Nassau Coliseum is on the line, and yeah, um, you know for a lot of Islander fans who have been living and dying with this team through this playoff run and and through the season. You know, this this means more than I think a lot of people can really conceptualize outside of this area. And I think this tomorrow's game, you know, we talked about game four becoming the biggest game in Islander history at Nassau Coliseum. Well, this game six will now be the biggest game, Islander game in, in franchise history in a very long time, probably since the 80s. So it, it, it really puts a, a an emphasis on what this team can do. And it really will tell the tale of how history will look back on the season and how history will look back on this 2021 New York Islanders squad that really, you know, kind of shocked everybody in the first round against Pittsburgh and the second round against Boston. And really, I guess people kind of got a little bit ahead of themselves after that game one win with such an emphatic performance against Tampa Bay. The Islanders kind of got humbled the next game, but they came back and, you know, they, they found a way to even the series in game four. Um, you know, they've had these pretty miraculous moments. The Ryan Pulak save <laughs> certainly kind of transcends just the the moment in Islander history, but it transcends into a moment among really great moments in New York sports history. Yeah. And there are quite a few. Yeah, no doubt about it. And And look, depending on how the rest of this run goes, you know, that one can really be just etched in, in, in New York sports lore. I mean, if they end up going to the cup final and end up winning a cup, that's always going to be the first thing people think of. Yeah. Is that safe? Or one of the first, at the very least, because who knows what other moments they might make between now and the end. But yeah, it's it's just it's been a it's been a very different series, I feel like, since since last year's. I feel like against the Bulls last year was more of survival and you know, pounce on opportunities, and that's how they got to six games against them. I feel like, obviously, last night aside, this has been a much more balanced series between the two. I think they've exchanged a lot more chances back and forth. It wasn't so much hanging on for dear life. If you look at the some of the, um, you know, the uh, what the the special numbers, if you the advanced numbers, if you will, you know, the Islanders have carried the play in some instances leading into last night, where you know they've certainly been hanging with Tampa Bay. And, you know, it's funny, it, it, that's what makes last night even more of such a, I guess, a, just a completely out of nowhere, you know, sucker punch almost, a punch to the gut, yeah. in that, you know, we, we thought that the, the massacre game was, was, was going to be out of, the, out of the option here because there wasn't that excuse like we talked about last year, the whole game one thing, right? And it was a more balanced series through the first four, and then last night was just like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, it, it, that's that's the surprising thing in, in all of it is the fact that there was this this effort that just didn't seem characteristic to the Islanders, especially the the lack of discipline on the ice in, in the second period, the Matthew Barzal incident with um, John Ruda, Jan Ruda, I should say, um, and and a lot of undisciplined play. The Islanders took fifty seven minutes worth of penalties last night in in an effort where 
they couldn't do that. You can't take penalties against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and Tampa Bay made them pay. You know, they yeah. gave them too many opportunities. They lost a lot of battles. They mm-hmm. made a lot of turnovers. It was just an uncharacteristic game overall. Yeah. And again, going back to what I was saying before, it it takes it back to the point of now is the ultimate test of that turn-the-page mentality, that, that focus on what's next, because if the Islanders can't get past that, then, <laughs> then, this, then this is over. Yeah, you can't really argue with that, but Christian, that went fast, so we're going to have to break because Justin Bourne of Sportsnet will be joining us. We want to thank all of you for tuning in at twitch.tv slash hockey night. NY will be right back. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at thaitechnology.com that's thai t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service the only thing better than a Great Long Island Deli is a Great Long Island Deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying, yes, yes, yes. as you have a nice break well it's time to get back on the couch for more islanders therapy with shawnee and c arnold on hockey night in new york that's right this is hockey night in new york uh, always streaming live on twitch.tv backslash hockey night ny to watch us live and of course you can find us on all your favorite podcast providers it's that time of the show where we go on the line brought to you by our friends over at thai technology and on the line with us is the co-host of hockey central on Fan 9590 up in Toronto. And, of course, you can read his writings about all things hockey on sportsnet.ca. Of course, that's the great Justin Bourne. Justin, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. I think uh, I think Shawnee's <laughs> still trying to recover from the 8 nothing shellacking last night. Just but, a bit. Uh, everyone's hanging in there, Justin. We do appreciate you joining us. I know you got a, a very busy schedule, but you've certainly kind of taken Islanders country by storm with your, uh, with your piece at the beginning of the series about the New York Islanders and kind of countering the narrative of what 
many outside, I want to say, of the New York market have called boring hockey by the New York Islanders. And I, I want to start there with this because it, it was such a, a very well thought out piece and a really interesting read from someone who, who understands the game with a, a much better authority than I think Sean or myself do. And really kind of delve into what, what makes the Islanders so good and why the narrative that they're quote unquote boring is just not true. Maybe you can explain that a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think um, the Islanders are fun in a way that's like a really fine wine. Like, I I feel like you have if you're a wine drinker and when you first start drinking wine, you're like, I don't know, it's okay. You know, and then you, you can't really tell the difference between one and the next. And eventually your tastes get to a point really well refined and you get to know the differences. It, to me, you have to know hockey to that level to appreciate the Islanders and what makes them special. They they really play such a um, a confident brand of hockey, and I say confident in the way that they trust what they're doing. You know, they are they are patient and they wait to take their chances until it's necessary. They wait for people to make mistakes before they strike. But the big misconception I just think is that they sit back. That you know, because I remember the expression "park the bus" was a thing. Like you know, because of that. When people think that they just like they are the New Jersey Devils in trap, but they go, man, like they're forecheck. The way they get after and bang bodies and pursue pucks and get pucks back, it's like it, it's a lot of fun on that side of things. And then it's to be honest, it's one of the only teams you can root for where you're not terrified when the pucks in your own end because you're pretty <laughs> comfortable that they know how to handle themselves and keep the puck to the outside. So it's a uh, you know for the, the people who watch them a lot. I think they know there's something there that's special, like I say, like a, like a truly nice wine that you kind of have to uh, to to know wines to appreciate. For sure, Justin. And just to expand on that, I mean, why do you think it seems like some out there are just a little quick to to go to that boring quote unquote uh, description of their hockey game or you know typically low mm-hmm. scoring? And why do you think it is that, that that people seem to be quick to say that? Well. There's a number of things. One is that anytime a team is good defensively, people pair that with boring. Like they, you know, everyone claims they want to see nine, eight games or whatever. So they're good defensively. So that, that comes up there. The other thing is marquee names. You know, you don't have, you know, know, Barzalza is obviously the man he is. We know what he can do and how exciting he is. But, you know, compared to a Tampa Bay or, you know, some of the other elite teams where you say, okay, they got Crosby or this team has McDavid. You know, they just don't have pure star power. So I think, you know, and I will say this is more of, of a U.S. Cover, sports coverage thing where, okay. you know, superstars are made into the main attraction. Like if you don't have LeBron, who cares? If you don't, you know, it's about the big names. And, in, in, you know, in Canada, there are some big names on the NHL teams, but I don't think it's as necessary. Like people are loving the Montreal Canadiens and who do they have? But I think it's, <laughs> it's just a lack of star power and a defensive first focus. Justin, you, one of the uh, highlights of your story on Sportsnet, not Sportsnet.ca, and I encourage anyone who hasn't read it to go check it out already. It's called Six Examples That Explain How the Islanders Find Success. You can find it on Sportsnet.ca. Justin, one of the, the, the items you mentioned was the Islanders' physicality and that they don't they play physical but not like meatheads. And um, one of the interesting yeah. points of that is that they've done it so well without taking so many penalties. Now, when you look back at some of the coverage from outside of the New York market of when the Islanders played Boston, when the Islanders played Pittsburgh, there seemed to be some 
kind of pushback against that notion that the Islanders play clean hockey. And, of course, you know, Bruce Cassidy uh, has been immortalized now for his comments about calling the New York Islanders the New York Saints. What is it about the Islanders that, that their play physically has, made, has been able to be done so cleanly? And what is it that, I guess, other markets don't necessarily see, agree with that notion because you've seen so many teams kind of push back against that? Well, I think it's the fundamental misunderstanding again of their fourth line. Um, you know, a lot of people look at those guys and think, you know, they. I, I will say there's some like eye rolling in this era of hockey that this is not like the analytic darling team, right? That these guys play more classic traditional hockey where they forecheck and they finish their checks and they'll answer the bell. Um, but you know, they don't go out there and take penalties and goad people into fights necessarily. And, you know, they're one of those guys that like, they will, uh, you know, they don't start fights, but they'll finish them that old line. Like they, they have a number of those guys who are willing to do that. It's to me, it's a veteran thing to know the line between how far you can push a team and the animosity and bringing up the energy level, but not being so immature that it becomes a street brawl and after school fight, And all of a sudden you're spearing guys and, you know, taking guys down behind the play and, you know, the type of things that you see from excitable younger teams. There's a maturity to this team that is at the core of what makes it good. You know, even some of the guys, you know, it's a shame to, to not have Lee, but, you know, a guy like Brock Nelson and, you know, guys like Josh Bailey that can contribute and, and just understand how to play and when to play a certain way. I, I really like I like that this team feels like a team that could have played 20 years ago and still be successful. Right on, Justin. And and why don't we pivot now to, to their current state of play. They're down 3-2 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is their second go-round in the semifinals with them. Uh, what have you seen out of the Islanders' performance so far? We obviously all know what happened last night, and they're in a bit of a hole now. But what do you make yeah. of their performance against the Bulls, their high-powered offense? And do you think they got a shot at digging themselves out, forcing the Game 7? I do. Like, I'm sure like you guys, like, could you, uh, like, I, I just have so much confidence in what's going to happen in the Coliseum. Like, it's not going to be eight, nothing tomorrow. I, no. you know, <laughs> that is not what's happening. You know, I said today uh, on our show that all I know is the Islanders, it's going to be a one or two goal game, if not tied, you know, and then the third period, it's likely going to be a tied or a one goal game, like the type type of hockey they play is going to drag this thing down into a, a really, I guess, an opportunistic game. And I think both teams are going to play really tight and be looking for that opportunity, waiting for the other team to make mistakes, you know, and, and you like the odds of the Islanders in a game like that. And with the crowd behind them and the potential for being the last game there, like, I just feel like they're going to get game six. And if they get game six, you know, now we're talking about who knows. You know, they got a split in camp, and they've already got a one win there. It's not out of the question. Right. Uh, you know, I honestly, I throw that last game out. I, it's just, you know, once you're down 3 uh, nothing or something on the road and, you know, the work and effort that goes into some of these games, you know, maybe call it 4 nothing. Once it's 4 nothing, it's like, okay, like everyone's pretty much trying to not get hurt and get through to the next game because there's some realism involved. And yeah. I, I don't even, like I said, I'm tossing it out. But, no, I, I think they can get back into it. I've really liked... I really like that they're not intimidated by this Tampa team and that they don't try to be something they're not. That you just know what you're getting from this team. And, you know, that's why last night, or, yeah, I guess it was last night, it was such an anomaly. It was just like, did not see that coming. But that, that's so <laughs> rare that, again, throwing it out, and I like their chances of, uh, of going to a game seven. 
This is Hockey Night in New York, and this is On the Line, brought to you by our friends over at Tide Technology. On the line with us is the co-host of Hockey Central on 590, the fan up in Toronto, and, a co- and you can read his hockey writings over at sportsnet.ca. Justin Bourne, of course, the son of Islanders great Bob Bourne, and you did mention the Nassau Coliseum, Justin, so I'd be remiss if I did not ask you about this being the final year, and I know you've been through this, I'm sure, a couple times now with the on-again, yeah. off-again <laughs> relationship the Islanders have had with this building, but this is Seriously, the final time. Uh, thinking back to your your memories of, of the Nassau Coliseum, that building, and what a special place it's been, what has this playoff been right been like for you to watch it from afar and, and kind of see the old barn get one last opportunity to really shine in the spotlight? Well, I guess it's really tough to explain to anyone what that arena means to me and my family. Like, you know, my mom was you know moved from Saskatchewan with my dad when they were 20 years old to go play for the New York Islanders straight off. You know, my mom's from Moose Jaw and was living in Saskatoon. My dad's from Kindersley. I know you don't you don't have to know where those places are. You know what they're like. <laughs> Relatively, you know. And so, yeah, suddenly they're you know they're there, and my mom's in the wives' room, um, you know, at Nassau Coliseum, and you know all you know all the years and all of a sudden you know my brother and I come along and we're we're kind of in the family room so all those games my mom went to all those years you know we were around there and then you know the Stanley Cups that were won there to you know my dad's jersey retirement where or sorry the Hall of Fame induction where you know I, I went down there and that's when I re-met you know Brianna Gillies my now wife um you know I remember standing in the Coliseum you know for that I had my first NHL you know, opportunity with an NHL team with the Islanders myself. And it was in Nassau Coliseum. I asked Wade Dublowitz, uh, who I thought was the PR guy, where the dressing room was <laughs> when I was in the dressing room because I thought it was a change room. It was so small. Like, you know, you know, like it, I, I've just got a lifetime of memories tied to that building. So it means the world to me. Honestly, I, I just, so I can't think of a game I've wanted to win more than tomorrow night, which means like, you know, in sports, you just can't ever get your hopes up. But I just would love a win tomorrow night. Justin, obviously there's this perception down here um, among Islander fans that, that the national media and the Canadian media hates them. You're, you're up there in Toronto. Um, you know, now, if you ask an Islander fan, probably almost the most hated team other than the New York Rangers for, for oh, yeah. Islander fans. What is that like having that connection to the Islanders being in a, you know, a different part of, of the, of the, of the world, so to speak here and kind of see it from, from the outside in. And, and is that perception true or not? I feel I've always sensed that it's not necessarily true. It's kind of that, that chip on the shoulder that Islander fans have being the, the stepchild in New York, but I, I was curious your your yeah. thoughts on if that that notion has any any truth to it. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think there's any truth to it. That you know the media. What I think there's truth to is that Toronto is the most like navel gazing, self centered. <laughs> you know, can't see past their own nose. Hockey city in the world. Love that. You know, like like they don't have a clue, and you know this because of who we cater to with our writing, and I love myself in with this. We, you know, you don't have to know what's going on with the Anaheim Ducks, and not that the Islanders are the Anaheim Ducks, but mm-hmm. it's like their focus is right there on Toronto, right. and if you can, you know, Mo- Montreal gets into their peripheral vision, and Ottawa does, and they hate Vancouver. They hate Vancouver the most outside Montreal, you know, and so for the Islanders, it's like. 
I think there's frustration that they have to learn about a team that they didn't expect to have to learn about. They're like, oh, I know about Tampa Bay. They won the Stanley Cup. And then someone's like, what about the Islanders? And they're like, screw the Islanders. Because they don't know anything. <laughs> they don't know anything about the Islanders. It's, you know, I, I don't think there's, it, it's really more of a fault of Toronto's doing than a dislike of the Islanders. But I do get, you know, the way it went down with Tavares and, you know, the rival fan base is just being awful on the internet. Did not help <laughs> the perception of all that, I understand. It is very entertaining, though, Justin. But, um, you know, we talk about the, the closing of the Nassau, uh, the Nassau Coliseum coming, but we also have the opening of UBS Arena. We have a sort of yeah. renaissance now with the team making two semifinals in a row, Lou Lamarillo coming in, Barry Trotz. We're seeing some success here, consistent success out of this franchise that it hasn't seen in a very long time. And being a part of Islander royalty as you are and being a part of the Gillies family and the Bourne family, what is just the reaction, you know, from your perspective and your family's perspective, seeing obviously not glory days, but better days here with the franchise? Mm-hmm. Well, it's surprising how much it means to me. I'm actually a little bit surprised myself. You know, the, the great thing I think about the way this is happening with the Coliseum is like, it's on to better days ahead. And it didn't used to feel like that. Like the Barclays thing, you know, it just didn't feel right. It wasn't what was supposed to happen. Like, you know, knowing that they're sold out uh, for season tickets and 50 or 56 suites and all that. The next, the franchise has such positive momentum and seeing John Ledecky in the crowd. And, you know, obviously, you know, Clark is on the Jumbotron smashing beer cans on his head. (laughs) Like, you know, there's, (laughs) it ramped up the interest and attention uh, for our family. And so it's, uh, it's been a reminder of how deep our ties are. I guess, you know, you move to Canada and you're not around it as much. You know, I talked to my aunt and my uncle in Kelowna, BC yesterday, and they're nervously sitting around watching the hockey game, uh, you know, to see how the Islanders do. And you just forget how deep, you know, the Islanders have permeated our family. And, uh, you know, the next step is just to get my son to care about hockey and uh, <laughs> he'll be on his way with that. Great. He's only four, so I'm not rushing him, but I, you know, I can't get him uh, too into it yet, but we'll, we'll get him there. <laughs> Justin, I have to ask, you mentioned Clark Gillies and the, and the beer chug. Was that, <laughs> everyone was very surprised about that here on Long Island. For you, did you see that and go, oh, that was just a Tuesday back when we had the barbecues during the summer? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it surprised me, not at all. I didn't even flinch. I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner, to be honest. Uh, you know, awesome. I was laughing. I talked to Clark uh, a, a little bit about it, and he was just saying that, you know, he didn't want to uh, get beer all over the people around him, and he knew he was going to do it, so he finished the beer basically before they cut to him so he could kind of take the last sip uh, and, and give it the smash. But he's he's wild, man. Like He's a ton of fun, great guy, and he's superstitious i guess uh he, he got some tickets on the red line uh when the islanders started winning on the playoffs and he hasn't sat in the suite since he's been in the stands every game uh in love the it. same seat because he's, he's trying to keep the, the good juju going that's fantastic and i know the fans love it justin it's great to see him in the building and uh really want to send a thanks out to you for giving us some time here tonight it was great stuff and uh enjoy the rest of the playoffs and hopefully we'll have you on again down the road Hey, anytime. If we're, I'm, I'm, you know, if they're in the finals, I may have to make a trip down there. We'll see. Yes, <laughs> that's what I like to hear. Hey, 
Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You got it, Justin. Take care. Justin Bourne from sportsnet.ca. You can hear him every day on the Fan 590 up in Toronto from 12 to noon on Hockey Central with Jeff Merrick, David Amber, and Anthony Stewart. He is does a phenomenal job up there, and if you don't catch the show live, you can, of course, subscribe to their podcast. Of course, check out our podcast before you do any other <laughs> podcast listening. Yes. And, of course, you can read a lot of his great work on sportsnet.ca. CA, we really do appreciate Justin taking out time and, and, and giving us some insight. And, and really, I think, kind of a lot of a very different perspective than you, you hear from a lot of other media people. And I think that comes from, obviously, Justin playing the game yeah. and being a part of it for, for such a long time and, and having such a deep connection to the Islanders as well. Yeah, I mean, just having an ally like him up there. And, and to be able to put out that piece, because I loved it. I saw it, and I was like, yes, this is, this is what I've been waiting for. And I didn't know where or who it was going to come uh-huh. from. But I was like, of course, I saw, I saw the headline. I saw it was Justin's piece, and I was like, yes, this makes complete sense. This is going to be fantastic. Read it, and it was. And finally, it was a breakdown of, of just, like, all the reasons why you're wrong for call, <laughs> calling the Islanders boring. And it just seems to be something that's, that's you know, taken on a life of its own. Um, you know, I commented about it on Twitter as well. And to me, it's just such a lazy angle to take. And it really just says to me that, you know, rather than just admit that they're not watching the games, it's just easy to take a narrative, right? Oh, well, this they're, they're low scoring. They play defensive hockey. So obviously it's boring. But if you, you know, and not even just in the playoffs, you know, even not to say that every regular season Islander game is, you know, you know, jump out of your seat hockey. Right. But. They play a fun brand of hockey, as so all you have to do is sit down and watch the games, and you say, okay, maybe these guys aren't as, aren't as sleepy as they thought they were. So, you know, for me, it was just great to see an article come out like that in, a, in an outlet like Sportsnet, so, you know, people outside of the island can finally, you know, see this and say, hey, yeah, maybe, these, maybe I should check these guys out. Maybe I should give them a chance before I just write them off, you know, as a boring hockey team. Well, the Islanders will have to come up with a couple goals tomorrow night when they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup semifinals. I was about to say Stanley Cup final. Stanley Cup semifinals, not, not the Eastern Conference final. No. The, we're not calling in that. But, Sean, you did have an opportunity to go to Game 5. You were down there in Tampa <laughs> Bay, which was, which was, I mean, I'm sure it was nice to get down there, although we did have nice weather here on Long Island. But I'm sure it was nice to get down there and enjoy some of the sun. I know you saw some of your family. I think you went and saw your dad for the for Father's the, Day. Yeah, so yeah. you got to well, enjoy. Was, yeah, so you got to enjoy it with your family, which is, I mean, phenomenal. It's great that you got to go to the game. But I'm sure traveling it's a it's a hectic process, and you mm-hmm. want to look good when you travel, right? Yes, all the time. So of course, our friends in Manscape have hooked us up. They have. They hand. They gave us to try, and we've been loving it. The lawnmower 4.0. Yes, uh, it's been phenomenal for all your manscaping needs below the belt sure or anywhere around the belt yeah and now they've given us the weed whacker yes to help us with some of our manscaping above the belt above Uh, the face yeah well in the face (laughs) literally in the face yeah and it i'm told it makes a great father's day gift i know you told me before the show your dad actually asked i'm shocked yeah he actually asked you about about the lawnmower four uh, the lawnmower 4.0 which i'm sure was very uncomfortable for you and the weed whacker and it both make great gifts for yes. Father's Day, and if you didn't get make, get your father anything for Father's Day, there's still time. And if you go to manscaped.com, 
Use the promo code Hockey Night NY. You get twenty percent off all of your purchases. That's from right. The, from the weed whacker to the lawnmower. Yeah. Uh, Not only that, they have gift sets. In yeah. fact, you can comp. So if you get like one of their gift sets, right, that comes with like the lawnmower, the weed right. whacker, maybe some of the colognes that they mm-hmm. have, they already discount all the items in there to to begin with with the package. Then you can combo on top of that with the promo code, and you knock off even more money. So you can save a lot of dollars if you're looking to. You know, get rid of that unwanted hair. Absolutely. That's wherever it may be. Manscaped.com, promo code Hockey Night NY, 20% off, and your free shipping. You cannot beat the deal. Manscaped.com, Hockey Night NY is the promo code for your purchase. Sean, but seriously, though, you did go down to game five. You I did. did get to be in the arena for that shellacking. And while I'm sure it was not fun to be there, I'm sure it was nice to experience the, the game with, with some of your family in attendance as well. Christian, it, it, it felt like a great idea at the time. <laughs> it really did. So, yeah, I was supposed to... I already had that trip booked already to go visit Pops for Father's Day. I hadn't seen him in a year and a half because of the pandemic and everything. They live down there in Florida. So I booked that trip just so I can see, you know, Dad for Dad's Day, right? right? And then the playoffs happened, and the Islanders ended up playing Tampa Bay. I was supposed to fly back... Monday. Monday morning. Yeah. And then when all this unfolded, I was like, well, I'm going to be there already. So, I mean, real missed opportunity. <laughs> You know, to fly back right. that morning, I was, I'm already going to be, be there. Right. So, you know, I went to the internet, clacked around on the keys a little bit, changed the flight, ended up coming back today. I was like, this is great. I get to catch the game. I brought my nephew nice. down there, and he's a, he's, he's a Florida resident as well, just outside of Tampa. So he's a Lightning fan, but that's all right. You know, 17-year-old dude. And, uh, <laughs> you know, brought him down and said, yeah, come enjoy the game. I was hoping to, you know, laugh in his face after the Islanders won. But I was not the one who was laughing. I heard he was very graceful in victory. He though. he was a true true gentleman. I have to say he was, and in you fact, can tell he does not get that from you. Wow, no, maybe not. But <laughs> it, but in any case, uh, so here's the thing: I I I had to sit through all eight of those goals so I could let him enjoy the night. Now, if he wasn't with me, probably would have been out of there by the third period. Right. You know, I mean, whether that's a cardinal sin or not in a playoff game, I don't know. But I mean. Come on, five, six, nothing. It's like, all right. I don't know. think anyone would have blamed. Yeah, at I that don't point. think so. I, I mean, th- I mean, you look at social media. There were a lot of people saying, "Oh, I'm changing the channel to." Yeah. So I, I heard the bachelor was on last of, night. Or I something. learned a lot about myself last night, Christian, <laughs> that I was able to sit through and endure an eight nothing drubbing at the hands of the lightning, and not um, leave your nephew at the arena by yeah, himself no, to find his right? way home. Yeah, no, I learned that I could I could sit <laughs> through that and tolerate it. Um, As you should. It's only a hockey game, right? It is only it's only sports, folks. So I, I survived it. It was um, it's it's one of the most awful sporting experiences I'll ever have in my life. Uh, it will forever be burned into my memory. I'm sure my nephew will <laughs> never let me forget it. Hey, you remember that time? Yeah, yes, I do. I do, Cooper. But um, John Cooper? No, no, Coinc- no. Happy coincidence? That's his first name. Uh. Yeah. So, but I guess that, that is a pretty happy coincidence. But yeah, so I was there. I, I thought it was going to be great, and then it really was the opposite of that. <laughs> But um, you know what? It is what it is. I got people blaming me on Twitter. It's your fault. <laughs> they lost because you were there. Probably. Okay, fine. I'll, right. I'll Although take you've one been, for the team. you've been at the Coliseum for winning games. So Plenty that, of wins. That, that makes no sense. Yeah, to me, it, it really doesn't. Although Christian, yeah. I am zero for two now on Islander playoff road games. 
So maybe you should yeah. stop going. Maybe you should. Hey, don't publicize. I that. went to Game Seven in DC. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, you were there. I was, well, Back I was covering in 2015, the yeah. and that didn't work out. Well, well it's funny so. you mentioned 2015 because that certainly seems to fit the narrative that we are now finding ourselves in with the Islanders on the brink of elimination. This time to the Tampa Bay Lightning, th- down three games to two, heading into a game six. Yes. Back then, though, it was a Barry Trotz coached Washington Capitals right. that had a 3-2 series lead after a pretty embarrassing loss to the Capitals in game five on the road that time in the nation's capital. And then the Islanders came back and they win game six to force a game seven, which right. Sean you know, just mentioned where he was on the road. They lose in, in a pretty tough effort despite Losing by one, Franz Nielsen gets that crazy goal in the second period to tie the game, yes. and then they lose by one goal, which which just seemed very the whole the whole game was very bizarre. But this yes, this certainly has that feel to it. Now you come back to the Nassau Coliseum, not mm-hmm. to mention that was the original Nassau Coliseum closing, right? Yeah, that was the first time the building was shutting its doors to mm-hmm. Islanders hockey, and we were never going to be back there again. Now we're doing it all over again, right? Six years later, right? Shutting down the barn. Again, with the and, Islanders on the brink of elimination. And we might do it again in October. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it. UBS may not uh, may not open until November, so we might, very true. we might be back. So, But it has that feel to it, and I kind of agree with Justin in the sense that the Islanders coming back to Nassau Coliseum, like I said before, it's not gonna, you can't play any worse than you did on Monday. No. So people need to erase that from their memory yes. uh, or, or their, their thought process going mm-hmm. into Game 6. Mm-hmm. But... This certainly has the feel of them coming back to the building. Everyone knows what's on the line. This certainly has a, has a special feeling to it. This entire playoff run has had a special feeling to it beyond just the Ryan Pulak save in Game 4 at the Nassau Coliseum in the closing seconds of the game. You had so many moments where the Islanders seem to be down and out, and they've come back and they've won. Uh, Boston, they've stolen a couple games. Pittsburgh, they've stolen a couple games. And then coming back and, and winning those series. So this certainly has that feel to it as well because of the circumstances that are surrounding the Agreed. the game because it, mm-hmm. it really takes on a much bigger a much bigger tone than just, oh, the season's over. They're not going to get to the cup final. Well, it's it for the Nassau Coliseum, which has not only a special place for someone like Justin Bourne or a lot of Long Islanders, but the guys on the ice as well. Yeah, look, I think, uh, look, I'm not a betting man. I never have been because when I do bet, I lose. But like like betting that you should change your flight and stay in Tampa Bay for an extra day. <laughs> well, I mean like literally putting a no, wager on a game. When I do that, I get myself into trouble. So I'm not putting any money on tomorrow night. But I said it on Twitter. I think I think we're going to see a game seven Friday. I think I know I know the fans are going to come out like animals tomorrow night. It's going to be ridiculous in there tomorrow because everybody knows what's on the right. line and nobody wants the party to end. I don't. You know, let's keep this going as long as we can. And you can't you can't close the Coliseum on a loss. No matter what happens Friday if we get there, you can't close the Coliseum on a loss. They got to take tomorrow night just for that alone. Mm. You got to end it all on a win. But I'm not even, you know, talking like that's it. Look, they win tomorrow night, which I think they will. Anything can happen in Game 7. It's a cliche, <laughs> but it's true. I am fully confident they are very they are capable of taking this series. Now, obviously, all odds are against them now. they got to win two in a row. Yep. They haven't done that yet against Tampa. It's yep. been win, win some, lose some, right? So they're going to have to pull off two in a row. But look, they pull off tomorrow at the Coliseum. You know, they add to the storybook, and then they go into Tampa, and all the pressure's on Tampa then, and they're going to be feeling good coming out of this game six. And look, it's going to be there for the taking. 
It's going to be there for the taking to get into the Stanley Cup Finals. It's going to be one win away. So we're not going to see what happened last night again if they get back to Tampa. On that Friday. I agree with. So that I can you can one hundred percent guarantee. Right, and Justin's probably right about tomorrow. We're all going to be having heart attacks. It's going to be a close game, one goal game. I mean, might go to overtime. God forbid if it does. As long as the Islanders come out on top, that's all I care about. But and then we probably see that in Game Seven again. But look, you, you're right. They got to wipe this from their memory. They got to put it in the past, and they're mature enough, and they've been through this stuff enough. Like you, you know, provided the example against Washington. Yes, that they can. That they but can even, do that. Even if you wanted a more current example, you just look at their first two rounds against Pittsburgh and Boston. And exactly. They, they've found a way to dig down and, and find that resiliency in, in multiple games and multiple periods. So, and the, and the way Barry Trotz has coached this team, they've never really in the playoffs. They've you've never really gotten the sense that they're going to drop two in a row. Uh, In clunker fashion like they did on Monday night. Right. Yeah, I would be shocked if we're here next week talking about them laying another egg against Tampa Wednesday night. Yeah. Well, Wednesday night, yes. Yeah, I can't see that happening. And then, again, with so much on the line, if they get to Game 7 Friday, I can't see that happening. But I think the question becomes, with all the energy and the kind of emotion you exude in Game 6, which will be there, Mm -hmm. does that leave Game 7 to be in a position where... Almost when you look back at the game, uh, game seven against the Capitals back mm-hmm. in 2015, you almost got the sense that after such a hard-fought, emotional win at the Coliseum to keep the doors open and give the fans that one more win that they were so craving, that they kind of they they lost. Not to say they lost the edge, but they were tired. They they had nothing left in the tank at that point. I wholeheartedly disagree, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Now you saw that game. I saw yeah. that game. Now, if you remember. That was that version of the Islanders' first game, taste of Game 7. Mm-hmm. That was, there was a lot on the line. First time in a long time they had a chance to win a series for the franchise, right, since 1993. They were all green. Those, that was a young team. That was, you know, John Tavares, all those guys. They had never been in that position before. The only guy for me that showed up that night was Yaroslav Halak. The guy stood in his head. He gave them every chance to win that game, and the guys in front of him played scared. They were terrified. They played scared to lose. They played not to make any mistakes, and that's what cost them. And you had a more veteran team in the Capitals, Mm -hmm. and a Barry Trotz-led Capitals that won that game. And that's just how they didn't deserve to win that game, and they didn't. I mean, they were lucky that game was as close as it was because, again, they played scared. This is a completely different scenario. I mean, do you want to say maybe they ran out of gas? Maybe in some respect. But I think you could. But make, I don't think that's that's why they lost that but game. I think you could make the argument that part of what happened on Monday was the team. It looked the Islanders looked like a team that just were not 100% there. They looked like they they were tired. They looked like they were out of gas. And could it be that that after six games in the first round, six games in the second round, all hard-fought series for the most part, that after four after four hard fought games against the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, that now the Islanders are starting to run out of gas a little bit, and you're starting to see it now with the Tampa Bay Lightning and their veteran presence and their their you know kind of ability to clamp down and their strong defense and their good two way game kind of ex- ex- expose the Islanders for being a little bit tired at this point. I mean, is that out of the question? No, but I don't think that's ultimately what is going to be. You know, should they get to Game 7 and should they lose Game 7? I don't think that's what, what's going to end up being the deciding factor. I think, I think this is a team with will, and they've shown that. I mean, this, There's no will in this team. There's a Anders, there's a Brock, there's a Jordan. There's no will on the roster. Right. <laughs> so, so it is a team that possesses the will to 
persevere and win and strive for victory. That's where I was going with that. I know that you know that. But yeah, this is a team with purpose, with resiliency. I mean, that, again, I've said that's the theme of this team, especially in these playoffs. No matter what's been thrown at them, they've been able to bounce off the mat and they've been able to win their last two series. Now let's see if they can do it again. Obviously, this is the toughest hill to climb so far. Yes. Well, I remember last year you used the analogy of the boss at the end of each level of a video game. I think <laughs> yes, you're that's I right. think it's safe to say you can you can correctly bring that analogy back this year too because the Pittsburgh Penguins were were kind of the easy boss in the first level sure. and then things got a little tougher on the on the like, second level and then the third level they are they're facing their toughest their toughest opponent boss, if you will. Yeah. Uh that they've seen all playoffs. No, t- look, a lot of people have gone into these playoffs saying that Tampa's the best team out there. and They're defending it, champions for a reason. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. I mean, obviously, a lot of people felt that way about Colorado. It didn't work out so well for them. But, but look, true. that being said, this team can win. And you know what? Let's start with tomorrow and take it from there. But they can do it. They've, they've proven that they can beat this team. And it's just a matter of forgetting about last night and getting back to what's gotten you here in the first place. Even what's gotten you, you know, into that game one win, that game four win. I mean, those are great wins by this team, you know? And, and, and look, you can say, ah, oh, well, they let Tampa back, you know, into the game in game four. But they ultimately clamped it down. They had a phenomenal second period. They've shown that they can carry the play versus this Tampa Bay Lightning team. Again, it's not survival like it was last year. I feel like it's, it's much more, you know, even level. Again, forget about last night. Obviously, that was not even. <laughs> no, not by any stretch no. of imagination. But no. we will certainly see. Sean, do you want to do uh, Hero of the Week now? I do want to do Hero of the Week. I really want to hear that song. So, folks, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Half-price hero, which this week is the Poke Check, featuring roast beef, turkey, ham, Swiss, and American cheese, lettuce, and tomato, Mayo on a hero. Get it half price all week starting tomorrow. That is Wednesday through our show next week, which I believe is going to be Monday. Yes. So. I don't know why I didn't use word. Wow, it's, yeah, it's wow. okay. Where we'll announce a brand new half off hero. Stop in and mention Hockey Night in New York for half off the poke check. And from there, Christian, I'm just going to be a gentleman and allow you to go first. This is probably an easy one for all of us. But Christian, tell us, who is your hero of the week? I think we all know who it is. It's we Ryan do. Pulak. Yeah. I don't think there's really much I, of an explanation. No, there's point. not necessary. But, you know, we have to go through the, the process here. So there's, there's Ryan for you. And surprise, surprise, Ryan for me. Ryan Pulak, unanimous hero of the week. Thanks to his highlight reel, number one on SportsCenter. Save of the game, literal save of the game in the waning seconds. I mean, you couldn't really draw up the drama any higher than that. What a move by Ryan McDonough. Yeah. I mean, that was a phenomenal move. And I have to say, there was there. I almost soiled myself when <laughs> well, I saw him make that move. And I, and I was like, well, in that very, you know, very focused moment, I was like, we're going overtime. We're going overtime, and I'm, and I'm going to have a heart attack. And then Ryan Pollock. The hero of the week. Listen, yeah, absolutely. As uh, as Malermania twenty two put, he's saving goals, saving puppies, saving our lives. I'm sure he probably saving helped walk an old lives. lady across the street after the game. Probably. Um, 
he deserves to be the hero of the week. That was yes. that was a a momentous save for the series. Unfortunately, the Islanders didn't capitalize on the momentum that they could have gained off of that save heading into into Game Five, obviously, and then now in the position they are in Game Six. But certainly a moment that will be remembered for a very long time. Yes, but Christian, I would be remiss if I didn't say that he was kind of a hero of his own undoing. <laughs> and I did mention this on Twitter as well, where you know. For my money, all the fella had to do when he picked up the puck behind the net was eat it on the wall. There was eight seconds left. You eat that behind the net. You, I have some breaking news. Raising, okay, I breaking have some news. breaking news. Okay. That we can announce here. The National Hockey League has announced today that Lou Lamorello has been named the winner of the 2021 hey! Jim Gregory Award presented right. to the best general manager, uh, the general manager of the year. That's breaking right now. Uh, Love it. With the league making that announcement, naturally, it's at uh, 9 o'clock at night. Because, <laughs> of course. Hey, live on the air. How about that? Lou Lamarillo, second GM of the year award as general manager of the New York Islanders. That's fantastic stuff. And that's just something you don't see around here often. But you know what? It's a new era here in Islander country. So congrats to Lou Lamarillo, another GM of the year. Award. Great stuff. Way to be on the ball there. Uh, you yell at me for looking at my phone. My computer just died. Uh, yell at me <laughs> looking, for my, looking at my phone, and it paid off this time. By the way, can we can we adjust that? Our Hero of the Week now, Lou Lamorello slash Ryan Pulak? I mean, we can say it. I can't, I can't adjust the graphics now. But, yeah, sure. Sure. So there you go, folks. Late entry here to Hero of the Week, Lou Lamorello. With another GM of the Year award. That's, that's fantastic. You know what? I'm surprised. I didn't think they were going to give it to him again. But... How about, who votes on that? Uh, the broadcasters, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I'm sure he got a vote Sorry, for Brent, I'm, from I'm Brendan and Bush. looking at my phone. No, I guess we can let it go this time because, you know, this is live, exciting Islander news during an, during an Islander-centric show. But it is kind of funny to see you on screen looking confused and befuddled at your phone because, yeah. Well, I'm also eyes. trying to trying to right. answer your question of who votes on this award. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, I'll continue, you know, putting Ryan Pollock down, even though he's our hero of the week. But yeah, I mean, just eat the puck on the wall. I mean, the fact that he just, you know, kind of made that blind play around the boards, and then, you know, again, gave us another 17 heart attacks in a matter of five seconds. When it pops out to the bolts, Kucherov makes that pass to McDonough. He's wide open. He has nobody on him, and then. Just just completely, I'm sure it takes Bolts fans out of their seats with that spin-a-rama move around Brock Nelson who came close to disrupting the puck and, and wide open Ned Varlamov comes all the way out. And then Pollock, there he goes to save the day and himself by making that huge, huge save, preserving the 3-2 to two lead and, of course, the victory that brought us to the 2-2 two, two tie. Christian, you got to be ready at this point. You haven't, you haven't figured out who votes for it yet? It's not, it's not important. Oh, no, I was tweeting. Oh, he was tweeting. Look at that. Look at that. He's not even doing the show anymore. He might as well just get up out of his seat and walk away. I think I just got, yeah, I just got the news on my watch. How about that? <laughs> GM of the year. So, folks, big congrats to Lou Lamarillo. Can, are you back now? Can we, can we go back to talking to each other, or am I still taking up space here? I still have to keep talking. This is, this is ridiculous. He's tweeting. He's, he, did you find out who votes on it? It is a panel of general managers, NHL executives, oh, print, peers. print and broadcast media. A lot of people. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, people. of people. All right, well, congrats to Lou once again. And, and hopefully... Also the second two-time, first two-time winner of the award in, in league history. 
Lou Lamarillo, folks. People said he was washed up. People in Toronto were laughing. Oh, we got Dubas. Ah, oh, Lamarillo's going to ruin that team. Little did they know. Well, it's funny. You look at a lot of the pieces that, I mean, pieces meaning stories that have been put in, into different outlets there up there mm-hmm. in Toronto. A lot yeah. of it now, looking back and going, why didn't we try and keep Lou Lamarillo? So there's always, there's always that uh, hindsight is twenty twenty mentality. But certainly Lamarillo was, and the Islanders were kind of laughed at mm-hmm. as they as they um, became together, or they came together there in that that off season in twenty eighteen after a very interesting uh, press conference where you had, had Jack Cappy, uh, Doug Waite, and, and Garth Snowst in the room, and Ledecky coming in and saying that. You know, they weren't committing to anybody. It was a very fascinating time. And then to bring the stability and see where the Islanders come in the last three years. You used a lot of years. very appropriate adjectives to describe <laughs> that period of time. <laughs> fascinating. Strange. Yeah, absolutely. But the good news is we're past all that. John Ledecky is the owner. Oh, Scott Malkin and John Ledecky are the owners. Yes, the two of them together. Yes, that's correct. I didn't forget about Scott. You mentioned John and... I just went with it. Well, John John Ledecky is the face of the of the ownership group. He is co-owner, and Scott Malkin is also owner of the New York Islanders. Yes, okay. <laughs> we're clear on that, folks. <laughs> All right. So, moving on. Thanks for completely tripping me in my line of thinking. There, there there's you know what there's there's one or two things I did want to quickly talk about before we you know get to the wrap up here and. Talk about R.J. Daniels and maybe take some audience questions if we have some. But you have to run that. My computer is dead. Okay, don't worry. These aren't going to be difficult. My computer is dead. These, these aren't going to be difficult. These are opinion questions. These are observation questions. We don't, we don't need your laptop. We don't need your phone, so you can leave that on the table. All I right. just meant usually you have me read the questions, so I can't. Oh, that's a decent point. Yeah. yeah you could probably bring it up on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Matt Barzell. Well, you you can see it on there. We talked about this before <laughs> the uh, the penalty. Yeah, we got to talk about it, right? Oh, a hundred percent. He got he got the suspension today, which was uh, which no I'm suspension. Sure, I'm sorry, a um, fine. fine, the five thousand yeah. dollar fine, which is the maximum under the collective bargaining agreement. He avoided the spe- suspension, which was what I was trying to say there. Yes, um, which. The Islanders took a big sigh of relief, I'm sure, not having to miss Barzal for that game. And, and certainly to put himself in a position like that was not the brightest move, to say the least. And, and Barry Trotz was was very calm about the whole thing. I will say that. I was, I was a little surprised. Calm about everything. Considering the 8 nothing loss and the, and the fact that, that Barzal put himself, put himself, A, in a bad position with, with the cross-check, which was extremely unnecessary. And I know I saw some people on, on social media saying, oh, he didn't hit him in the face. He got, you know, it was his glove. It wasn't his glove. He cross-checked him. He cross-checked him very clearly in the yeah. face. And I think anyone who watches the replay and, and is being intellectually honest knows that that was the case. I saw a freeze frame of a stick in the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning fellow's throat. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, uh, it, it hit his yeah. throat. Whether he, whether he meant to or not. He hit his throat. But it was a bad penalty to take in that moment. Of not To not only well, get yourself kicked out of the game, but put yourself in a position where now the team was concerned about any sort of extra discipline that could have come down because the NHL yeah. is so extremely inconsistent yes. that you don't know what's what could what it could be. Then that's the problem. It's not that I thought the play was suspendable. It's the fact that we don't know what the NHL thinks is suspendable, what's not suspendable, what's a fine, what's not a fine, what's a penalty, what's not a penalty. And I think it raises the broader issue of how terrible the officiating has been this entire playoffs, not just in the Islander series against the Lightning, not just against the series against Boston, against Pittsburgh, but in every single series, 
every team that has has been in the playoffs has had some sort of gripe, and they've all been legitimate. Because, oh, I've seen some replays. The NHL, <laughs> some bad stuff either called or not called. Absolutely. The NHL has done such a terrible job of officiating these games that, I, I mean, it's become it's become a joke in the sense of, like, people kind of just laugh at it now, but also, like, it's an embarrassment for the National Hockey League, but to bar, but to the Barzal point, it put himself in a position where he could have been suspended. Yeah, because we don't know what the NHL was going to come down with and, right. and how they were going to view that hit. Uh, you know, we also know that they tend to view those through the lens of if that particular player is hurt or not. We don't know if if, if um, the Tampa Bay defenseman is going to be ready to go for Game Six. John Cooper did not have an update for him when he addressed the media today mm-hmm. um, or Wednesday. What's today? Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Tuesday morning, I should say. So, all of that put himself in a bad spot, and it just—it was a penalty that I—I I, I think a lot of people, or my—I thought anyway—that Barzal was past taking. That he had gotten himself past the the point of making those dumb reactionary yeah. taking those dumb reactionary reactionary penalties, um, which you had seen him do so often in the past during his career. Look, if I'm gonna try to get into the head of Matt Barzell, and I'm probably it could be completely way off here, but. I think he got himself involved in that nonsense because he saw the game was already lost. He saw the game was over. He's like, you know what? I'm pissed off. I'm going to rough this guy up a little bit. I don't think he said to himself, I'm going to cross-check this guy no, in the throat. I no, I don't think so. But Because, again, if you even look at the replay before the incident happened, he's the one going at Ruta. Oh, he's the one trying to goad him into something, whatever that is, right? And then Ruta comes back at him, and, you know, whether it's – the stick rode up his glove or whatever it was. It ends up hitting him in the throat. The guy drops, like, just a total ton of bricks. Now, whether that's just because it hurt that much or because that's what he was doing. I mean, because I've seen a couple guys in the series on Tampa go down pretty quickly and get back up when there's no call. That's all I'm going to say. But whether whether he was injured or not, the guy went down, and and I have no problem with the with the penalty that was called on the play, the major, right. the game misconduct. Because at that point, again, the game is over. It's an easy call for the ref, right? right. You see the score. This isn't going to have any effect on things. All right, sorry, pal, you're out of here. And that also might have just been to calm things down. Oh, 100%. Too, right? So fine. Game misconduct. See you later. But yeah, I mean, to put yourself, to put your team, to put your fan base in the position where everybody's going to have to worry until the next day to find out whether you're going to play in game six where you're fighting for your life to right. stay in these playoffs, stay in this series, right? And there'd be a lot of pissed off people here if he ends up getting that one game suspension. Maybe oh, pissed off at the league, but also pissed off at Matt Barzell for putting himself in that position. You can't do that. Yeah. You cannot do that in the semifinals of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I agree. I agree. Regardless I, of the score. I agree. Yeah. There's there's no there's no no excusing it. No. And Barzo will I'll have to have a big game on on Wednesday to make up for that because he, he's going to be needed tomorrow. Yeah. He's going to be needed big time. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I think that is why Barry Trotz, a part of the reason why Barry Trotz was so calm in his reaction, because he knows Matt knows. He doesn't have to go yelling yeah. at him. He doesn't have to call him out in the media because he already knows he effed up. He already knows that shouldn't have happened. So what's the point? Of calling him out, right? Let him understand that he made a mistake. And you know what? Maybe it drives him to go out there tomorrow night and be a hero and help win that game. You know? We will certainly see. That's we will for sure. We will certainly see. And the next thing I wanted to talk to and talk about, and in fact, uh, T Boyle underscore 13 asked. asked this question as well. Do you see, I'm gonna span this, do you see any lineup changes for t- tomorrow specifically? Oliver Wallstrom getting in there. 
I still don't. I I think Barry is Barry Trotz is so committed to the lineup that he has, especially in, in games like this where they're coming off a pretty bad loss. We've seen him throw the same lineup out there, even though he you know he's gone on and teased the idea of of changing the lineup or changing this or that. The only change I could foresee possibly is put from the jump is putting Palmieri up there on the top line and moving Komarov back down to the third line uh, right from the jump because I think that's worked this series in the last couple games. The Islanders have seemed to except for game five, obviously um, the Islanders seem to respond well with those guys in, in kind of switched up spots. And, and, and it's a spot we've advocated for Palmieri to be in before. Yes. Um, that's not to say Komarov hasn't done a good job, but I think at this point, Barry Trotz has, has realized that the Islanders need a little bit more offensive jump and Palmieri's giving him that, giving them that at the top line and Komarov's doing an admirable job playing alongside Palmieri and Pajot. And there really hasn't been that much of an, uh, an adjustment or change in the the output that those guys have had on the ice when they're out there together. So I think that's maybe the biggest change you see. I'm also curious. I would imagine Semyon Varlamov gets the start again tomorrow. Oh yes, without question. I yeah. think a hundred percent they're going back to Varley. I mean, and I don't even necessarily think that has anything to do with Sorokin's performance last night. And not to say that you blame him for really. No, I mean that game. The goals every, that he let in. The, the, both goaltenders have been hung out to dry in that. Yeah, there was no. Yeah. There was no blaming the goaltenders for they need to make this save and they need to make that. Yeah. Save. No, they were they were in no man's land. Right. They were now, left on an island. Look, if Sorokin had a came in after going down three nothing, stands on his head, they fight their way back and they win, then you got Different a discussion. You got story. a conversation. But with the way that game unfolded, you go back to Varlamov. Hundred percent. He's the guy who got you here and out <laughs> outside of last night. It's hot. Hot. He, yeah, he's been studio. he's been fantastic. So yeah, I think there it's a hundred percent that Varlamov will start tomorrow night. And yep. I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see anybody sat and anybody else brought in. No. Assuming everybody's healthy, who has been healthy, I think you're going to see the same lineup. Maybe, again, just like you said, I'm going to parrot you here. Maybe you see Paul Mary a little more on the top line with Barzell and Everly. But um, I don't think Wally's going to get in. I don't. I yeah, think they're going to live and die by this This uh, roster as constructed right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree, Shawnee. Any more questions from the audience? I looked through a lot of comments, a lot of statements, not so much any questions. If anybody wants to try to sneak something, uh, <laughs> Mel Armenia 22, do they need more refs? Uh, I think four officials on the ice is enough. Maybe some more up in the sky. I don't know. <laughs> but I think uh, one thing everybody can agree on in the hockey world, not just here in Islander country, is the officiating, as Christian said, has been extremely yeah. inconsistent and has been poor. I think poor is a fair word to use. And I don't know how you remedy that, especially with the the mysterious, you know, it's even been like hinted at by people covering the game and writing about this stuff. Like this you know, mandate from the league to keep keep the games balanced and even and stuff like that. And it's, so it's like, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, you, when you when you see a replay in the Vegas-Montreal series, and, and I think it was a, a Montreal player just decked a guy from behind at the boards uh, with a cross-check, and the ref was looking right at it. I mean, cut-and-dry penalty. And the guy didn't even flinch. He didn't even flinch. Clear penalty. And, and and so it's obvious that there is this, you know, whatever it is, some sort of mandate where they want to keep the penalties even as much as possible. And look, you don't want to get into conspiracy theories and stuff like that, you know, as far as, oh, well, they want this team to right. succeed because they're original six, or they want the Islanders to succeed because it's their last run at the Coliseum and it's a great story. The like, NHL could give two, two flyings. Uh, Right, I'm just saying, like, you can create your own narrative as much as you want and your own conspiracy theories, but at the end of the day, 
uh, we're probably never going to know why you know the the calls are, are as crazy as they are, especially when you see a referee looking right at a play. Oh, 100%. And everybody and their mother knows that it's a penalty and they don't call it. So it's just it's something, unfortunately, that we got to deal with. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I don't know if I see it getting any better. I hope it does. You know, I, I think it was Gord Miller that was calling for them to, you know, call it more like, I think, the juniors, the world juniors, where every, whatever's a penalty is a penalty, and they right. just call it cut and dry. Right. But look, anybody who's been watching the NHL for a long time knows that the games are called extremely different in the playoffs than they are in the regular season because they want the, the players to decide the games. And, but you know what? I, the ref, there's been some games where the refs have gotten too involved. Yeah. And they've, they've made too many calls. You know, I feel like there was at least one game in this series where they, they got way too involved and, and they, they steered, steered the tide of the game. So, yeah, I, I agree, T-Boyle underscore 13. Just call a fair game. That's it. That's, that's where I am. I agree. Yeah, so. I agree. So, what do you got? No, no. I was just going to say, so no more questions? Right? <laughs> no, uh, the last thing I'm going to do here is plug our pals over RJ at RJ Daniels. Daniels. If you can't make it to the Collie tomorrow night, the best place to be to watch Game 6 is RJ Daniels in Rockville Center. Always have great drink specials and food specials, starting with $5 16-ounce Barn Rocker Ales, $14 Bud Light Pitchers, $17 Domestic Buckets, $4 Domestic Bottles of Pints, and, of course, again, the food specials as well. Head on down for Islander Games at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center from pregame until the final horn to get all those great specials. And, of course, should we see Game 7, which I'm saying we will, also a great place to watch a road Game 7 for the New York Islanders. Yes. You agree? Yes. Thanks for your input, Christian. All right, folks. With I don't that, know what you wanted me to say there. You I mean, to me just like maybe a little enthusiasm. Yes. A little enthusiasm, maybe. Yes, they're great. <laughs> you should go to RJ Daniels. They have phenomenal drink specials and food that's off the that's, charts. That's what we like to hear. So, folks, want to send out a huge thanks to Justin Bourne of Sportsnet for joining us for an excellent spot tonight. want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY or for listening on your favorite podcast providers. Don't forget, we got merch over at HockeyNightNY.com. We got t-shirts. We got hats. You can get 10% off with promo code H-N-I-N-Y-10. Hit it up. Check it out. And of course, we want to thank our great sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great service, and great people. Check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com for their great selections and hockey-themed heroes. And a big thanks to Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TyTechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. That's three free months of service. And of course, a big thanks to Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code HockeyNightNY at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using promo code HockeyNightNY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Yes. Don't forget, folks, you can follow Christian on the Twitter yes. at C underscore Arnold zero one. Yes. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. No matter what happens, we're going to see you all next week. Thanks for hanging with us. You guys have a great rest of your Sunday nights. Peace.